this moment that we have told to us in our gospel today is, is a pivotal moment in the life and mission of Jesus and a pivotal moment in the church. So it's a lot, there's a lot going on, a lot of meaning in what's happening here. Um, so externally, what we, what we see happening is, is Jesus is establishing Peter with a new authority. So the idea of keys being handed over to another person means that they now have authority over this thing. We hear that in our first reading. So our first reading is preparing us for what's happening in the gospel. In the first reading, God is taking away the authority of the master of the palace from Shebna. Y'all remember Shebna? No, I don't either. Um, But he's getting rid of him. He's taking his office, his authority away, and he's giving it to Eliakim. God says he's going to clothe him with his robe, gird him with his sash, and I will give his authority over to you. And then he says, I will place the key of the house of David on Eliakim's shoulders. What he opens, no one shall shut. What he shuts, no one shall open. So this idea of he will have this power to open and to close, to make these decisions, and no one will oppose him. So we hear that echoed in what Jesus says to Peter. I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So the question is, what, what's the specific role, what's the authority that's being handed over to Peter, right? Um, Peter's name wasn't Peter before, it was Simon. The name Peter wasn't a name at all until right this moment. It's just a word that meant rock. Nobody was called rock. Nobody had ever smelled what the rock was cooking. That was not a thing, okay? No one had ever been named rock. Uh, but Jesus declares him and gives him a new name. The giving of a name happens throughout the scriptures. It happens numerous times that God gives somebody a new name. That's always when they're being tr- drawn into a new role, a new mission. So Abraham wasn't always Abraham. He was Abram before. But he's given this new role. Jacob is called Israel. He's the one who, who wrestles with God. So again, the giving of a name means the giving of a new mission. So he's given this name, and the name means rock. And again, it wasn't a name before. But this new name signifies that he's going to be the foundation of something. And what's the, he's going to be the foundation of, but the church. So that word church, we're used to it. We think like, what church do you go to? I go to Our Lady of Perpetual Help Catholic Church, right? There's how many churches in Ord. You could count them and always get confused between First Christian and E-Free. I forget which is which sometimes, right? Uh, but the truth is there's only one church church in this sense. The church is those who have been called out of darkness and called into communion with God. The word church that we hear uh, comes from the Greek word, um, I just blanked on it, ecclesia. Ecclesia means those who have been called out. That's a cool idea. What does it mean to belong to the church? It means God has called you. And he's called you out of distance from him, out of a place of sin and darkness, into his family into a place of love, into a place of communion, to belong to him. You are his people now, but because he has called you. You may have thought you brought yourself here, but no, no, no. no. Even before you brought yourself, he called you. So Jesus is establishing a church. There's a kind of a popular idea these days that people say, well, I'm I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. And and I know Jesus because, you know, I think about him sometimes and I'm just, I'm a spirit. I don't need your religion. The truth is Jesus himself founded a church, right? It happened right here. 
So, Peter is being established as the foundation, the stone, the rock, upon which the church is going to be built. Jesus says, you are, or excuse me, he says, I say to you, you are Peter, which again means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. And then he says, the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. That's a phrase that we don't always hear correctly the first time. What's the netherworld? That's hell. It says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. It doesn't say that the church will be safe against hell. No, no, no. It essentially says that the church is going to come and kick down the gates of hell and call those who are in darkness into light. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So, there's this exciting moment. Jesus is, is founding a church, but it's also, he just find, founds it on this guy, Peter. And we already know Peter from the Gospels. He's kind of impetuous. He just steps out. He does stuff. Um, he says things sometimes. He kind of puts his foot in his mouth. And there's a beauty that Jesus says, no, I, I want you. Like, you're my guy. I'm going to build this beautiful thing called the church upon this foundation. And again, he gives him this authority. I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This means, it's, it's not clear exactly what this means, but encompassed within this authority is the authority to, to forgive sins. Sometimes when there's depictions of the sacrament of reconciliation, you'll see a key there. If you go over to our windows, and from the left you go one, two, three, four, that's the window that talks about the sacrament of penance, of confession, and what do you see? You see a hand, and you see a key. So what happens when you go to confession is, through this authority, your sins are loosened. They're cast off. You're set free. So this authority is, is given to Peter. The apostles share this same authority to forgive sins. We also believe that something here is being talked about the authority which Peter will have and the ability he'll have to teach the faith correctly. To, to define the faith, to communicate the faith in a way that's faithful and true. When Peter died, somebody had to take on his job, his office. What's being given here is an, is an office. It's a role. When he died, somebody else took on that role. And when that person died, somebody else took on that role. When that person died, somebody took on that role. Do you know who has the role today? So that's Pope Francis, right? So that role given to Peter has, has followed all the way down throughout the ages and been passed on faithfully, and now we call this person the Pope. We first called him Peter, then we called him the Bishop of Rome because Peter went to Rome to preach the gospel, and now we call this person the Pope who's been given this authority um, in the church. Okay, so that's kind of the, oh, interesting, that's what's going on. Why is Peter given this role? So the setting is, they're up in pagan territory, and Jesus first asks them, hey, who do people say that I am? Because people have a lot of ideas about Jesus. And the, the disciples kind of reply, different ones say, they say, well, some, some people think you're John the Baptist, because John the Baptist had been beheaded. They think, maybe you're John the Baptist, come again. Other people think you're Elijah, the great prophet. It was said that before God came, the prophet Elijah would come and prepare his way. Other people think maybe you're Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets come back from the dead. So it's kind of this interesting question. Yeah, a lot of people, there's a lot of confusion about who Jesus is. And then Jesus says, okay, but now who do you say that I am? You. Who do you say that I am? And something happens in Peter's heart. 
and uh, just with this real boldness, because what he's going to say is it's a very bold thing to say. He says first, you are the Christ. That sounds kind of bible to us. What does that mean? Who's the Christ? The Christ is the anointed one. Do you know what the Hebrew word for the anointed one is? The Messiah. So saying that Jesus is the Christ is to say that he is this new anointed Messiah king that's coming to save Israel. In fact, he's coming to save the whole world. So to call Jesus the Christ means, like, you're the king that we've been waiting for for, for centuries. Like, we've been praying and waiting for, the, for you to come to be our savior. So just to say that, just to say that you are the Christ, that's a bold statement. But he doesn't just stop there. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You're not just the Christ, you're not just the Messiah, the Savior, but you are somehow God himself. If God is God, when God has a son, what's his son? Also God. So you are the Savior, you are, you are God. And there's this interesting response of Jesus. He's like, yeah, blessed are you. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Because you didn't just figure this out on your own. No, but my, my heavenly father has showed you this. Only the father truly and fully knows his son. And so to truly know the son, we receive that from the father. That's the gift of faith that's given to us. Because of his faith in Jesus, because of his confidence, and because he knows him, he's given this role. And he's declared uh, this foundation of the church and he's given this new name. I think that's an important idea for you and me. That's where we come in. Not all of us are being called into this position of authority that, that Peter is, but the truth is we only come to be who we truly are meant to be. We only enter into the great mission uh, of our lives when we know God. It's in and through knowing him that we come to know ourselves. It's only in truly knowing God that we come to know who we are because we can only know ourselves as he sees us in this relationship. So there's a way in which this question is asked of each of us. Who do you say that I am? And in some ways, we all, I think, hopefully know the right right answer. Like, do you believe that Jesus is God, yes or no? Yeah. Do I believe that Jesus is God? Yeah. Yeah. But also, I don't. What do I mean by that? Like, yeah, I believe that he's God. But do I, like, do I actually believe it? Do I wake up in the morning knowing, like, Jesus is God, he's alive in me, he has saved me, he's going to take care of me this whole day? No, I don't believe that. That's why I'm stressed, right? Like, if I really believe that he was God, in, in the fiber of my bones, like, deep down, gosh, I'd be a lot less stressed. And I'd be a lot more full of love. And so there is a way in which, yes, yeah, I'm, I mean, don't go call on the bishop yet. You can call him if you want I'll get a vacation, a longer vacation if you call the bishop. So whatever, do what what you want. But yeah, I do believe, I do believe that Jesus is the son of God. He's my savior. He's my Lord. He's my life. But parts of me don't, don't know that yet. And I need the father to reveal the truth to me of like, yeah, he's everything. He's my love. He's my joy. He's my, he's my mission. He's my destiny. He's my creator, my savior. He's my God. He's everything. So I want that. I want that faith. When we come to have that true faith in him, to know him and to trust him, we become who we're truly meant to be. It's interesting. Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of God. And Jesus is like, that's right. And you, I'll tell you who you are now. I'll tell you what your mission is, what I made you for, the great call that's been put upon you. 
like this great and glorious destiny that you have. But Peter receives that in knowing Jesus. And in knowing Jesus, he comes to know himself. He couldn't have known himself without this relationship. It's Jesus that tells you who you truly are. And no one else. That's a really important idea because if you try to find your identity from anyone else, life's going to be really confusing. Because a lot of different people want you to be a lot of different things. You hear the confusion of the first question of Jesus. Who do, who do people out there say that I am? John the Baptist, Jeremiah, one of the prophets, Elijah. Right? Different people want you to be different things. It's only Jesus who truly knows who you are. Your mission, your beauty, your goodness, your destiny. And only he who can bring you into the rest and the joy of knowing who you truly are. So we want to know him. The only way to know him is by entering into love with him. By knowing and loving the Father who wants to reveal his Son to us. The way we know the Father is by allowing Jesus to introduce us to him. It's by knowing them and loving them and trusting them that we come to know who we truly are. You cannot believe or fathom or imagine how beautiful and good you are to God. And how beautiful and good you are to God is how beautiful and good you truly are. He knows you. He knows the deep parts of your heart. He knows your life. He knows your story. He knows your mission. He knows the beauty and goodness that he's placed in you. And only he, and only he can draw that out. God wants to show you off. Like for you to be fully alive and for others to see your beauty and goodness. He wants his love and his, his knowledge of you to penetrate all the deep places, even the places that you've sealed off, that you've closed the gates to, like the, the hellish places in you that like, nope, nobody's going there. Now he wants to come to that place and to love you there. He wants to know and see and love and bless all of you. One last little idea. Book of Revelation says that in heaven, at the end of time, we'll all be given a new name. It's like God will declare who you truly are, like the mystery of who you are that we're all trying to figure out a little bit to discover in one another. Like God will declare that over you. He will give you a new name. And it's the, this way in which, like, gosh, he's already always known you and always loved you and always delighted in you. And your true identity will be revealed. But he holds that for now in his heart. Right now, he holds in his heart who you truly are, all your beauty and goodness. And he deeply desires to share that with you. But we only come to know that in this relationship of love with him. Um, I'd like you to invite God to tell you and to show you how deeply he knows you. Like he really knows you better than you know yourself. So ask him, God, show me how deeply you know me.